AML Hub Podcasts, brought to you by Scientific Education Support. Hello and welcome to the AML Hub Podcast. Today we'll be hearing from Naval Dava from the MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston, US. Hello, my name is Naval Dava. Today I will be speaking to you on venetoclax combination approaches in patients with FLT3 mutated acute myeloid leukemia. At this year's ASH 2020 meeting, there was a significant amount of data on FLT3 mutated acute myeloid leukemia including emerging data uh, on the performance of different venetoclax combinations in this very important subtype of patient. So uh, as many of you know, FLID3 mutation is the most common molecular mutation seen in acute myeloid leukemia in younger adults. About 35% of patients will have a FLID3 mutation. The common type is the FLID3 ITD, which makes up about three-fourths of all FLID3 mutations. And the less common type is the FLID3 TKD or DA35, which makes up about one-fourth of all FLT3 mutations. Uh, we do see FLT3 mutation incidence goes down in older AML. Patients above 65 have a FLT3 occurrence rate of about 20%, so less than the 35% that you will see in the younger adults, but it's still uh, probably the most common mutation even in older AML. So as many of you know, azacitidine in combination with venetoclax has now emerged as a standard of care. It was already approved in the United States in 2018 based on a single arm phase 1B study that showed very high response rates of 70 to 75% CRCRI and median overall survival of 17 to 18 months, something we have never seen with azacitidine. The response rates were two to three times higher than azacitidine alone. Median survival was pretty much doubled, and we were seeing three and four-year survival rates of 40%, where historically we would see 10 to 15% three and four-year survival rates in older patients with azacitidine alone. A subsequent confirmatory phase three study called the Viale-A study, which was recently published in the New England Journal, confirmed in a randomized fashion that azacitidine combined with venetoclax improved response rates as well as duration of response and the key primary endpoint, which was median overall survival compared with azacitidine plus placebo. And this further bolstered the FDA approval and has led to a full approval of azacitidine venetoclax in the frontline setting in older AML patients who are not suitable for traditional anthracycline cytarabine induction chemotherapy. So that is now the most common regimen used in older AML or patients with AML who are unsuitable for induction chemotherapy. But the question is, is azacitidine venetoclax a homogeneous regimen that can be used with equal efficacy across all molecular and cytogenetic subsets, or are there particular groups that are going to do better and particular that are doing worse? So this year's ASH meeting, we saw a lot of subtype data of the azacitidine venetoclax in IDH-mutated patients, in FLT3-mutated patients, in TP53-mutated. I'll be focusing on the FLT3. So what uh, was shown by Dr. Marina Konapleva in a poster at the ASH meeting was looking at 40 patients with FLT3-mutated acute myeloid leukemia versus about 30 patients with FLT3-mutated leukemia on the azavenetoclax versus azaplacebo. So you had 40 with azavenetoclax FLT3 mutation, 30 with azaplacebo FLT3 mutation. And the question here, this was a subset, of course, so not statistically powered, but the question was, do we see very encouraging responses with azavenetoclax in FLT3-mutated patients, and is it still the best regimen? What we saw is when you look at the CRCRI rates with azavenetoclax in FLT3-mutated, both ITD and TKD, they are still very encouraging, about 65 to 68% CRCRI compared with azaplacebo in FLT3-mutated, where the CRCRI rate is about 18 to 25%. So clearly, much higher, two to three times higher CRCRI with azavenetoclax, even in FLT3-mutated compared to aza alone. When you look at the survival, 
when you look at, let's say, the FLT3 TKD, the less common mutation, here there were 12 patients who got azavanetoclax, and you see the median survival was almost 20 months. And this was much better than the few patients with FLT3-TKD who got AZA alone, where the median survival was 10 or 11 months. So 21 months versus 10 to 11 months. So I would definitely be happy with azavanetoclax in FLT3-TKD. But now when you get to FLT3-ITD patients, here you see the response rates are still much better. Azavanetoclax about 60% compared to placebo about 20, 25%. But the median survival is not that different it's still in favor of azavanetoclax, 11.5 months, but the aza alone is also giving 8.6 months. So we definitely are not happy with 11.5 months. And in our practice at MD Anderson, and I know in many large academic centers in the US, for FLT3 ITD mutated AML who are older and not suitable for traditional anthracycline cytarabine, we are preferring HMA with a second generation FLT3 inhibitor like giltritinib or quizartinib. There was also data looking at azagiltritinib or azaquizartinib in these frontline FLT3-mutated patients in prior ashes. And we see that the response rate there is about 80% or so. And we also see that the median survival, at least in the azaquizartinib in the small subset, was close to 20 months. So we feel that a second-generation FLT3 inhibitor may be better in a FLT3-ITD-mutated AML. Again, this is drawing data from different subsets. There is a randomized phase three study of aza giltritinib versus aza alone called the lace wing study that has now accrued 60 to 70% of the patients. And we hope to have final data. There was a brief update presented this year by Dr. Eunice Wang at ASH showing that safety appears to be maintained. And I think then we will have to compare if we have aza giltritinib frontline randomized data showing superiority, aza ven data, what will I use in an ITD patient? What will I use in a TKD patient? And the big question, which is one of the main areas of my research focus and uh, at MD Anderson, our focus is, can we not have the competition, but really build a triplet that can give us the most outstanding results? So we presented a data set at this year's ASH of combining venetoclax with giltritinib. So we have a second generation potent FLT3 inhibitor, PCR2 inhibitor, venetoclax. There's actually a lot of preclinical data published by Marina Konopleva in collaboration with the AbbV labs, as well as Tony Latai, showing that there is a high degree of synthetic lethality and very potent synergy for FLT3 inhibitors with BCR2 inhibitors. So that led to this study design. We were looking at relapsed refractory FLT3 mutated AML, and we showed data on the 42 patients that have been enrolled so far. So these were FLT3 mutated ITD and or TKD relapsed median of two prior treatments, uh, could be between one and five prior treatments and about two-thirds of these patients had had a prior FLT3 inhibitor. Now, this is important because when the single-arm giltritinib quizartinib phase three studies were done in the relapse setting, most of those patients, only 5 to 10% had received a prior FLT3 TKI because mitostorin had not been approved yet when those studies were conducted in 2015 through 18. Now, in this study, the venetoclax giltritinib, much more contemporary study done in 2018 to 20, almost two-thirds of those patients have received a prior FLT3 TKI. So we think that this is a more difficult population because there was also uh, two oral presentations that I had this year showing that if people who have received a prior FLT3 TKI, the expected response and survival to a subsequent FLT3 inhibitor is going to drop. So what we saw was that overall the remission rates when you do the CRC, similar to what was published in the Admiral Phase 3 of giltritinib alone, was 85%. So this is better than the 50% that 
with single agent giltritinib in relapsed FLT3 mutated AML, and in fact, in a worse population. So that was very encouraging. But what we did see is that the true CRCRH rate was only about 30%, and an additional 45-50% were marrow remissions with partial or no count recovery. We think this is probably due to the myelosuppression of the combination. This was quite a big theme at this year's ASH, that venetoclax combinations with uh, CPX, with uh, decidabine, with uh, FLAG-IDA are all much more efficacious, but they do seem to have prolonged myelosuppression, and we need to tailor the venetoclax duration, do earlier bone marrows, use growth factors to try and maintain that clinical response benefit while not having prolonged myelosuppression that could be risky. So with this combination, we did see uh, that the response rate overall was high. Molecular clearance, which is probably the most important endpoint now in FLT3 AML, was at 50% uh, as compared to 20-25% that has been achieved with single-agent giltritinib in prior studies. And when we looked at the early look at survival, it looks quite promising, both in the FLT3 ITD as well as the total FLT3 population. So we believe that this combination is now the first doublet of Minetoclax with a potent second-generation FLT3 inhibitor. This is a multi-center study that gives us hope that we may be able to move the triplet up front line. However, being very, very cautious that we're going to have to shorten venetoclax, use growth factor, do early bone marrow, and probably spread out the cycles for every five to six weeks to avoid prolonged myelosuppression. But if we can optimize the schedule, I believe we may potentially get three to four-year survival rates of greater than 50% in older AML maybe even without transplant. So this is quite exciting. We also showed another small data set of triplet therapy. This is the first frontline FLT3 triplet of decidabine with venetoclax quizartinib that is ongoing currently only at MD Anderson as an IST. And we showed that this combination was very effective, achieving greater than 80% CRC rates in multiply relapsed refractory FLT3 mutated AML, including patients who had failed prior giltritinib. So now we are moving beyond the first line where mitostorin is approved, second line where giltritinib is approved, to the third and fourth line patients who we frequently get referred at MD Anderson, and showing that with a triplet approach of HMA, Ven, Quisartinib, even in that third line, we could get 80% or higher people to remission. Of course, only half of these were true CRCRH, with an additional half being marrow remissions, but where the goal is to get these people to transplant, we were able to achieve this in more than half of the patient, which historically, we probably would have only been able to get 15, 20% of patients post-giltritinib to transplant. So we're now moving these triplets to frontline setting, very early data shown by Dr. Yilmaz, my fellow at the ASH oral with the triplet, suggesting that the frontline triplet was highly effective, four patients treated all in remission, all with molecular clearance, no signs of increased mortality, myelosuppression is a problem, count recovery 45 to 50 days, and we're working on optimizing it. So in summary, I think the future is not going to be a competition between aza venetoclax or aza flit 3 My feeling is that the aza giltritinib study should be positive, the lacewing study, and we will have both frontline doublets. But then the key will be in the next year to two years to optimize the triplets so we can get very high molecular clearance and translate the three and four year survival, even in older flit 3 to 50, 60% or higher, at which time, of course, the question will start coming up as to whether these triplets are really meant only for order, or can we start slowly marching down the age in a cautious fashion to even use them in younger FLT3 mutated patients. We're not there yet, but I think this is the direction of future direction for FLT3 development in AML.
Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you found this informative. AML Hub Podcasts brought to you by Scientific Education Support.